Well, praise the Lord. Welcome this morning. Great to be here. Great to have you here uh, to join with us. You know, a verse that's always meant an awful lot to me, and it stands alone this morning. It's got nothing to do except for the fact that we're here together as the family of God. The psalmist wrote in uh, chapter 122, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know how you feel on Sunday morning, but I'll tell you, for the bulk of my life, I've woke up Sunday morning and I can't think of anything else, but yes, we go and worship today. We gather, it's us, we're supposed to worship every day, obviously, but it's a special time. We're going to worship the Lord today in his house as the collective body of believers. Enough said, here we are. I hope you're ready. Got that special present for that special someone Got the house decorated, hopefully burning some really neat Christmassy sort of smelling candles and the smell of Christmas cookies, especially for the ladies that are attending that thing tonight, the smell of Christmas cookies wafting through the house. What a wonderful season of the year. Only 14 days left. As we enter into the message this morning, talking about joy, bow your heads with me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have, and really, Lord, the privilege that we have to be able to come into your house and to worship you. Thank you for this season that draws our hearts and our minds closer and closer to you and to your wonderful son, Jesus, who came to earth to to die, as, as we said last week, to be the propitiation for our sins, to pay the price that I deserve to pay. Jesus came to do that for me and I will be forever grateful. Help us this morning, Lord, as we look at your word. Help us to sort that all out and to understand what you would have us to hear by your Holy Spirit's power. Enter into our hearts and minds, and we'll give you praise for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I do realize that there's a small percentage of people, and maybe rightly so for them, because you don't know what people have been through, but there are some people who do not care for the Christmas season. My father went to his eternal home on December 31st. It was the day my family was gathering for our Christmas family celebration. And so it was kind of like stark that dad wasn't there. And then Joe's father went to be with the Lord on December 24th. So there are memories for us when Christmas time comes about losing loved ones. But you know what? Every Christmas, those memories become a reminder They don't bring sadness, they actually bring joy for the goodness of God. Both of our fathers knew the Lord as their personal savior and boy oh boy, they found him later in life. Not on their deathbed later, but in their late, late years. So we we rejoice that they're in their home in heaven. I enjoy almost everything about Christmas. For me, the lights, the adornment, the festivities, the togetherness, And all else that goes along with Christmas are vivid reminders of the excitement that I feel in my heart because Jesus came to earth and I can know him personally. He's not a far away God, he's a right here in my heart God. If you listen to the video from Matt and Lauren Chandler that first week, they expressed so well what I'm trying to say at least right now in this message. So I want to quote from Matt from the Hope video that was on our little uh, the app there. He said, the hope that the Bible calls us to in this season is not 
to get caught up in all the tinsel, the trees, the lights, and the presence, but to allow those things to inform, and I added a couple of words here, awaken and renew, but to allow those things to inform us, to awaken us, to renew us of the hope that is in our hearts to receive, because we are the recipients of what Jesus brought to earth when he came, to allow us to receive the greatest gift of salvation through the coming of Jesus Christ. God the Son came to dwell among us, end quote. Can you wrap your mind around that? We take it for granted. We think just a little bit about it. Emmanuel, God with us. No, God with us. It's big. It's huge. I hope you can appreciate it like I feel you should and like I feel I should. So yeah, admittedly, I enjoy Christmas. I enjoy Christmas movies. But we won't go there because I don't want Pastor Josh and I. He's going to hear this eventually, and I don't want to get into an epic battle you know, of Christmas movies, but I do. So for what that's worth, I can talk some more about that later. But I do enjoy being reminded that God loved me enough to send his son. And I'm in awe, really, of the simplicity, yet totally sacrificial plan of God's marvelous gift, the plan that Jesus fulfilled. A plan that when it was fulfilled, by the way, in sinless perfection, the only way that it could be fulfilled was the one and only way that my life could enter in to that plan. Because Jesus gave that gift, I can receive it. If he wouldn't have, there was nobody else that ever would either. So I'd still be lost, but I'm not, because Jesus brought that gift. Jesus allowed me to be adopted as a child of God. That is amazing when you stop and think about it. Because if you understand the laws of adoption, uh, back there under the rule of Rome at this time, an adopted father could not, absolutely could not, disinherit, couldn't shake off an adopted child. It was a lifelong decision. That's the decision God made when he said, hey, Jerry, I'll take you in as a child of mine, and I'll keep you throughout your entire life. I won't ever think of setting you aside, in a sense, or disinheriting, as it were, for them. So listen to what the Apostle Paul told the believers in Galatia, and maybe that will help you understand why I'm so excited about the coming of Christ. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through God. Wow, what an inheritance that's going to be, huh? If any of you have experienced earthly inheritances, that's not going to compare to what we're going to receive through our Heavenly Father. So it's with great anticipation for me, and I hope for you too, that I await the celebration surrounding that glorious event. We began the Advent season. I love the candles and the representation that they are. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Ben talked about hope. 
we lit the prophet's candle. The arrival of Jesus was really, if you think about it, the first time in history that anybody had real, guaranteed, absolute hope because it was founded in something that could never fail. It was founded in God himself. The arrival of Jesus was hope assured through the promise of an almighty God. But then last week, Pastor Josh reminded us about love, the love of God in us, and that if we have the love of God in us, there was that kind of a stark reality, but you've probably heard it before, that if you don't love others, then must be you don't know God. That's what God's word says. Ouch, ouch, I hope you've been loving others this week, because last week we learned we better, or it kind of proves we don't really know God, because God is love. So today, once again, let's approach the Advent candles, and let's talk about, as you already know, joy. Be reminded that knowing God through a relationship with Jesus, being his adopted child, we already talked about how awesome that is, that's the only avenue that can lead us to genuine joy. And I started out preparing for this, and I was thinking I was going to be comparing joy and happiness and the stark difference that there is in our lives, and then... God steered me another way, and I was afraid if I didn't follow that path, I'd be like Jonah, and I'd end up where I didn't want to be because he wouldn't talk to the people in Nineveh. So, so thank you, God, uh, for giving us this for this morning. I want to talk about the joy that Jesus brought from heaven. This morning, we lit the shepherd's candle. Now, those shepherds were a group of people that really understood joy that night. When the, when the angel came to them. So once again, I just it's familiar, but at least for me, it's dearly loved. It is probably the Christmas pa- passage. But look with me at Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 11. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The message that night on that hillside was good news. Not just for those shepherds, but for all of us. Everyone ever can be a recipient of that good news. Each of us who have received the gift that Jesus brought down to earth understand just how good it is, right? We know. We know what we got when we invited Christ into our lives to be our Savior. In Luke 15, there are three parables. I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to say that you're probably familiar with them. There's the shepherd who has a hundred sheep, but one gets lost, and he leaves the 99 in search of that one. And then there's the lady who has the 10 coins, and she loses one. I feel like She's probably at my house looking for glasses and cell phones. But she loses one of those coins, and she sets the other nine aside, 
and goes into a frantic search to find the one that was lost. And then, of course, there's the father whose son left home, and he is always watching for that lost son to return. And when he does, he throws this jubilant celebration uh, to get everybody together and say, rejoice with me. My son was lost, but he's come home. Hey, does that tell you something? This good news that we're talking about proves to me that God is willing to do whatever it will take when we are lost in our sin, and he always provides a pathway for us to come back home to him. And he's there with open arms, waiting to welcome us in. There is no more joyous thing than that. Scriptures reveal that once the shepherds understood that good news, then the angel promised it would bring them great joy. The Greek word chara is translated into our English word joy. Don't miss that the angel Gabriel that night didn't just say, hey, go, go see that there's some joy going on. She said, great Great joy, exceeding, abundant, rejoicing, gladness, beyond description. There is great joy. If you were hearing an angel and the angel was in your presence, I'm pretty sure you'd understand this better than hearing me say it. But the point is, they got the point that night, and they said, you know what? We better go see this. Long ago, those grubby, smelly sheep herders went seeking the babe from heaven in human form. What the angel referred to as great joy we find that instead of them actually visiting the joy of the Lord, C.S. Lewis says what they really found was the Lord of joy. And that's who he is in your life. He's the Lord of joy. And having him in your life produces the joy of the Lord. We're going to talk some more about that. If you are one of the redeemed who has left your grungy, scruffy, muggy, ragged lifestyle to go seeking after Jesus, then you too have found the Lord of joy, and I hope that you're appreciating that. You found a Lord of joy who died in your place on the cross that day at Golgotha. You found a Lord of joy who provided assurance of a place for you in heaven for eternity. You found a Lord of joy who came down from heaven to die on a cross to forgive your sins. In the eighth chapter of Nehemiah, when let's bring this into our lives. In the eighth chapter of Nehemiah, when God's people were seeking the presence of God, they were hungry for more of God in their lives. Nehemiah came in and began to read from the scriptures. He assured them that the joy of the Lord is their strength. So when you find the Lord of joy and you receive the joy of the Lord, you have the strength and the power that God wants you to have. Now, what I want to know is, do we, like the children of God back in Nehemiah's day, do we seek after God's presence in our daily lives? Do we desire a renewal and a revival in our hearts and in our minds? Hey, maybe what we and our country need, I think you would agree with me, is a revival. We need to turn back to God and seek even more passionately for him. J. Edwin Orr defines revival as the spirit of God working through the word of God in the lives of the people of God. That's us. That's us. We're the catalyst that could get this thing started. A chapter in Nehemiah is an excellent example of God's people getting excited 
about how God is working in their lives. I hope that each of us, as God's people, in this modern-day world with all of its struggles and difficulties, I hope that we still see what God is doing day to day, and we get excited about it because we know that he's real and, and his presence through the Holy Spirit is real in our lives. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's my prayer that this Christmas and all throughout this year to come, you will experience the joy that can only be found by walking close in relationship with the Lord of joy. I want to take a little turn here, and I'm going to invite you to help me. And I know usually you're just sitting there listening, but I need you to be active right now, so everybody engage here. I want to take a stroll down memory lane. You'll have to stroll down your memories, and I'll stroll down mine. But this is important to where God led me in this passage and in this study. So I want you to think about gifts that you've been given. doesn't even have to be Christmas. Any gifts that you've been given throughout your lifetime. And I want you to try to narrow down maybe a special gift that really, 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 to this day, because I can't remember most of the gifts I've been given, but I can remember one very vividly. I can remember several, but one stands out in my mind. When I was a kid, I got a sleeping bag. Big deal, right? I mean, I still don't know why it was such a big deal, but boy, when I opened that thing, and there were seven of us in our family, so you can guess Christmas morning was, you know, kind of a flurry of activity at the Esther household. We had to wait till Dad came down from the barn. We weren't allowed to even come downstairs from our bedrooms. And then when he came down and we heard the door close, we're like, yes, yes, it's coming. We can go downstairs now. So when Dad came up from getting his barn clothes off, we were all allowed downstairs, and we all started opening gifts. And when I opened that sleeping bag, man, I, <laughs> I can remember it to this day. I threw my arms around it, put my head on it in the package, and I didn't want to open anything else. For some reason, that sleeping bag brought me so much joy, and I had it and used it for a long, long time. So I need you to come up with a memory like that. What stands out for you as a gift that you received that brought you great joy? And once we get that, then we need to move on a little bit because we're going to take a look at another memory of a gift that you gave to someone that brought them that same kind of joy. You gave someone a gift. Uh, my memory on this one would probably be the day that I gave Joanne an engagement ring. Now, it was a pretty lackluster proposal, and she'll verify that if you ask her. She, she found out that day that this guy that wanted to spend his life with her was about as creative as a tree stump. I mean, literally, it was just like, hey, you want to marry me? Here, here's a ring. You know, that type of a thing. But you know what? It worked, because here we are, 43 years later, happily married, I think, right? Yeah, she shakes her head, but she won't speak it out just in case. But yeah, it worked, praise the Lord. But I remember that that brought her joy. It wasn't mine, it was hers, but I gave it to her, and in giving it to her, it brought me joy too. Do you get the cycle there? If you are willing to walk with me on this journey, then you should have two gifts in mind. Our first remembered gift would represent the equivalent of the joy that we would have received when God gave us his gift of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. And then, of course, your second remembered gift would be a time when you were the giver of joy 
to someone else. It's intriguing to me, and I already mentioned it, that by giving something, which is why I ask you, do you have your special gift for that special someone? Have you been thinking about that? How can I come up with a gift? I'm going to confess, I don't know that I do. But how can I give a gift to my special someone that will bring her the joy that I want her to have? And when I succeed at that, it will bring me joy too. So if the first scenario was joy that Jesus brought to us, God's gift for us, then the second scenario is the equivalent of the joy that I would receive if I give back to God appropriately. Am I experiencing true joy, but not by external surroundings and circumstances? I mean, I think if, if one of you wanted to give me a new Corvette, that would bring me great joy. But we ain't talking about that kind of joy, okay? But you never know, it might happen. It's the only way I'll ever get one. But just jokingly, the second scenario is the equivalent to me giving joy to God through the things that I do. At Christmas time, we often ask the people that we know and love, hey, what do you want? Or we ask someone close to them, what do you think she wants or he wants? We're trying, trying, trying to come up with that special gift. Well, I got a question for you. It was posed to me not too long ago. When was the last time you thought about what you give to God? You love God. Isn't it important that you're giving him things that bring him joy? The world and society around us tend to lean toward a somewhat avaricious mindset, if you're familiar with that. It's what can I get? What's in it for me? How much can I have? That's the mindset of a lot of people in our world. Matter of fact, there's a commercial on TV right now that I do not like. A lady named Miss Moore, and she wants more, more, more. And it's all about what she can get and more. And the guy at Olive Garden got a pile of grated cheese this high because she keeps saying, more, more, more. Is that really the way we're supposed to live? Wanting more for us? I'm not real sure about that. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, of a fellow named R.G. Letourneau. He's with the Lord now. Maybe you're familiar with Letourneau College in Texas. There was a Letourneau missions building that he provided at Tacoa Falls College where I went. I never met the man, but I'm telling you what, he was a wonderful man. He was known as God's businessman. And it's often said that he had a slide rule in one hand and a Bible in the other. A quote from the local news tabloid in his town says this, and I quote, In the blink of his friendly eye, Mr. Letourneau would quote Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Are you looking for joy and satisfaction and happiness? Then you better start by seeking God and seeking his righteousness, because the word promises, if you do that, you'll get whatever else it is that you need, and assuming it's in God's will that you want. So Letourneau's is an absolutely fascinating story of success, but anyone who knew him would agree that earthly success was not his end goal. At one point, he had 6,000 employees about working for him, and every day, he shut the factory down for 30 minutes, to he himself stand before them and conduct a Bible study. And if you didn't want to go, you didn't have to. But everybody got paid. He didn't 
shut down their pay. He just shut down their work and said, come here. I want to tell you about what I know in the Bible and what I love from the Bible. So um, it's well known that for a good share of his life, Letourneau gave 90% of what he had to God and kept 10% for himself to live on. Now I know we can't all do that. But the point is, he wasn't concerned about me, me, me. He was concerned about God. Letourneau walked with God and followed his leading in all aspects of his life. Please understand, I'm not talking about how much he gave. That's an important fact of his life. I encourage you to look it up. Google R.G. Letourneau. It's really, really interesting how one man could be so great by the world's standards but care less about that and desire only to be great in his relationship with God, with his Lord and Savior. Pretty interesting. He continually focused, he's most known for this, that he continually focused on bringing joy to God. And that is what we're talking about this morning. So I was a studying and pairing for this. I already told you God, God turned my attention. This message was actually supposed to be about our joy. I wanted to talk to you about how you can experience Christian joy. I did all the studying for it. I was ready to, to hype you up for the Christian joy that you can experience and then as audible as it's ever been, God asked me a question, and it sounded like this. Jerry, what is it that you do that brings me joy? And I'm thinking, okay, guess I never, I do, I love God, I'm sure I bring him joy in the way I conduct my life, and had an opportunity, you may or may not know that I, I teach uh, young men and women how to drive commercial vehicles. It's a life changer for them because most of them come in totally like, you know, they've got no money and they, they just, it's, they're trying to get their life in order. Maybe they were in jail or on drugs or whatever. And I had a chance last week, and I love it, to pray with a young man the, day, the moments before he took his CDL, his commercial driving test. And he came running to me. Jerry, because I asked him, I said, you mind if I pray with you? You don't know where they're at, you know, and sometimes people will be offended. So I don't ever pray with somebody unless I ask them. But he came running, Jerry, Jerry, he said, you can't, I passed. I never thought I'd pass. I, said, I think it's because you prayed with me. And I do too, of course. But praise God that we can be about giving someone joy, knowing that in so doing, We've also given God joy too. So, so God turned me with that question. You ever think much about what you give me that brings me joy, God asked me? So with that question in mind, I launched into a Google search that said, what brings God joy? Because that was what became important to me all of a sudden. Maybe I could intrigue you to do that same search. Why don't you take a look and see how your life lines up with what you'll find when you look at what brings God joy, however you may choose to do that, Google is our most popular. So this morning as I wrap things up, I want you to just listen to this analogy that I found online. It goes like this, and it, and it is a quote. When God wanted to create fish, he spoke to the sea. When God wanted to create trees, he spoke to the earth. But when God wanted to create man, he turned to himself and he said, let us make man in our image. So if you take a fish out of the water, it will die. If you pull a tree out of the earth, it will die. 
Likewise, if a man is disconnected from God, he'll die. God is our natural environment. I'm still quoting. We are created to live in his presence. We have to be connected to God if we hope to survive and thrive. And I'm just quick quoting. But we have to be connected to God because it is only in him that life exists. If we want to, end quote, if we want to survive and thrive in this life, there's only one way to do it, and it's stay closely connected with God. So that's simple enough, right? That's my challenge. You know, a pastor probably never speaks words that don't challenge him to. At least he probably shouldn't. So that's, that's my challenge. I don't care if you accept it or not, but I want you to. I want you to accept this challenge that this Christmas and all throughout this coming year, I want you to work toward being more connected, to, to being cognizant of what I'm doing that brings God joy. And as you're purposeful about giving God joy, that connection, <laughs> I guarantee it'll bring you lasting and true joy in your life. Because I believe that God-inspired, Christ-like joy, both the giving of it, because just like Pastor Josh talked about us giving love, if you have the joy of the Lord, the Lord of joy, we already talked about that, if you have that in your heart, people better be noticing it. You better not be a grumpus face. Because that doesn't look like God. We've got something that is amazing. So you better be showing it. That's my challenge. Be a God-inspired, Christ-like joy giver, both in the giving and the receiving. I actually think it would be contagious. I really do. But it's not the kind of thing that any self-respecting Christian would want to be vaccinated against. we got all this talk these days about vaccinations. One thing I don't want to hinder in my life is the giving of joy to God who gave me everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can enter into a season of time that brings us a very, very vivid reminder of all that you mean to us, of who you are in our lives and how we should live for you. And Father, I pray that this year, as we journey as Christ followers through day-to-day -day life, rubbing shoulders with all different sorts of people. Help us to be ones that spread Christ-like joy into the lives of those we meet and help that joy to be contagious that other people will understand it and want it for their lives too. And Lord, we just trust you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.